Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. I want to invite you to turn with me in your own Bible if you've got it with you, or you can pull it up on your mobile device, or you can even read the words as they're found projected on the screen behind me. We're looking at Scripture this morning from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Today, we are talking about, is the Bible reliable? And so, I find it very helpful to be able to just read along with that. And so, as I read these words, I invite you to read along in whatever way is easiest for you. Hear now these words, Hebrews chapter 4, 12 through 16. Indeed, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before Him, no creature is hidden. But all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, we give thanks for your holy word, a word that's been handed down from generation to generation. A word that at times can be intimidating, confusing, shocking. But Lord, it is a word that points us to our Savior. And so may that word always be alive within us. May we always seek to learn more about you through your word as it's been handed down. And as we've heard your word read now to be proclaimed... May your Holy Spirit transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall up in our ears and penetrate our hearts. May they become the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. A few years ago, I was serving a church and we were having vacation Bible school And as that year, we had picked the theme for Vacation Bible School was about the Bible. It was something called like the Amazing Bible, something like that. And so it was all about the Bible. And it was, we were doing a whole church Vacation Bible School that week. I mean, from the smallest of small to the oldest of old, meaning adults as well. And so everybody was going to be a part of this Vacation Bible School and digging in to the Bible. I mean, it's called Vacation Bible. Bible school. And so we were all about the Bible. And I mentioned last week, I have a very close friend that he and his wife uh, do not believe in God. They themselves uh, 
they've just have, have left any idea of the possibility of God out of their lives. However, they're not opposed to it. And so during the summertime, what they would do is they would sign their children up for any kind of summer activity. I mean, you know what it's like. you got to get the kids out of the house in the summer. And so they would sign their kids up for any kind of activity. Sometimes it would be an art camp. Sometimes it would be something at the Y. But they also would look every now and then for vacation Bible schools throughout the course of the summer. Because, I mean, there's arts and crafts. There's fun and games. They're out of their hair for a little bit. And so they signed up their children for this amazing Bible vacation Bible school. And so they came and they participated. And after the first day, one of their daughters, they had twin daughters. One of the daughters came home and said, Mom, where's our Bible? (laughs) Well, they didn't have one. So she said, I want a Bible. And so they didn't really know what to do. So uh, they said, well, let's talk to Pastor Adam about that. And boy, what an honor and privilege to get asked to buy a Bible for this third grader. And I was so excited. Jennifer and I, we took that, the weight of that request very, very seriously. And so we went to the local Christian bookstore. Remember that? Remember those? That used to be a thing, right? Before Amazon, I guess. Uh, So we went to the local Christian bookstore. And I mean, they had this huge section of all these Bibles. And then they had a smaller section of children's Bibles. And so we're looking through, wanting to find the right Bible. Because some Bibles get a little weird. And so we wanted to make sure that we got the perfect Bible for this child. And we found one that we just thought she was going to treasure and adore. I mean, this was the perfect Bible. But you know, the Bible can be kind of intimidating. I mean, if you're just given this book, I mean, it can be confusing. It can be difficult to read at times. It can be quite shocking. (laughs) Even for well-versed Christians, the Bible can be something that many times we struggle with. I mean, there's a ton of violence in this book. And so I wanted to give her a guide, not just to give her the Bible, because if, if you're unfamiliar with it, you may not know what to read. And so I wanted to give her a guide. And so I began compiling a list of my favorite Bible stories and passages. That was fun. I started coming up with a list. I mean, I I made sure that I had David and Goliath. Oh, I love the story of David and Goliath from from 1 Samuel chapter 17. But really, you can't really tell the story of David and Goliath without telling about David's call and being anointed by Samuel. And I love that because uh, when David is anointed... uh, Samuel has seen all of David's older brothers, and and he's thinking, well, surely this is the one that's going to be anointed the king. Surely this is the one. But God told Samuel that he does not look upon man the way that people do, but he looks upon their heart. And thus he anointed Samuel. Oh, so I made sure that I, I made a note of, of, to be able to read about David being anointed by Samuel. And then I started thinking, well, you can't tell the story of Samuel without telling, of anointing David without telling the story of Samuel's call. And we talked about that one just a few weeks ago about how in the night the Lord was speaking to Samuel. Samuel, Samuel. And how eventually he was told to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. How God had called him. So I made sure that I included the call of Samuel. But, but then you had to go back to some of the old, old stories. So I made sure that I marked uh, about, I made a list of uh, Noah's Ark. Wanted to make sure because, I mean, everybody loves all the animals and the building of this boat. And, I mean, 
Yes, there's this situation with a flood that kills everybody on the face of the earth. But I mean, you know, I wanted her to know the story of Noah's ark. And so then I got into, let's make sure she hears about Moses. And so I I made sure that I documented, I made on this sheet of paper that I was going to stick in the front of the Bible, uh, uh, making sure that you read about Moses and the burning bush, and then Moses and parting with the Red Sea. And I mean, I, I loved doing this thing. I started getting out sticky notes and putting them inside of the Bible before we gave so that she would easily be able to find the passages that I've referenced. And then, of course, Psalm 23. I wanted her to hear about how the Lord is my shepherd. And then, of course, I had to get into the New Testament and the Gospels and Luke 2, the birth of Jesus. I mean, one of my favorite passages. And then the stories of Jesus. Jesus turning the water into wine. And Jesus healing the blind man by spitting in the dirt and the mud. I always thought kids would really like that one. I always liked that one as a kid. If you don't know the story, read John chapter 9. But I love these stories of the miracles that Jesus does. Feeding the 5,000, walking on the water. So I had all these stories and all these things I was marking inside of her Bible to be able to gift her. And I could not wait to give her this Bible. And then I thought about my all-time favorite passage of Scripture. It's actually in Genesis It's the story of Joseph and his brothers. You remember Joseph, he has these dreams, and his dad gives him this beautiful coat to wear of many colors. And his brothers betray him, and they sell him off into slavery, and he rises up through the ranks, even in spite of all the difficulties. He rises all the way up to be the second in charge of all of Egypt. I mean, I love the story of Joseph. And so I made sure. I said, Pastor Adam's favorite story in the whole Bible is the story of Joseph. Genesis chapters 37 through 50. One thing I neglected to remember is Genesis 38. I invite you later today because there are children in the room. I invite you later today to read Genesis 38. Maybe not out loud or in the presence of your children. Because Genesis chapter 38 tells about one of the brothers of Joseph, and I'm not even going to say anything else about that story. I just take a look, Genesis 38, okay? Then imagine a third grader having been given this Bible from Pastor Adam and Miss Jennifer. Third grader who's been actively reading, reading her Bible, and getting through all of these stories that I'd listed, but I saved the best for last. And so this child is reading her Bible, Reads through Genesis 37 in the back of the minivan, reading out about Joseph. And then gets to Genesis 38. And out loud, ask her mother, and I'm not even going to say what she asked. I can't even say it out loud in the presence of, uh, I mean, who would want to even say it out loud anyway? But Genesis 38, again, check it out. Teenagers, maybe ask your parents first. It was awkward because the Bible is difficult. The Bible is confusing, it's shocking, and sometimes it tells stories that we're kind of like, did we really need that? And so it leads to uh, us asking questions. We ask a lot of questions about the Bible. Is it something that we can really believe? Is it something that's reliable? Is it something that we can cling to as true? And so we, a lot of times, we'll struggle with this text. And you may be shocked at this. Churches will disagree with some of the text 
and cause them so much, they disagree so much, they, they decide to separate. I know it's shocking, isn't it? That people would disagree over interpretation of Scripture. But the Scripture is there for us to read and to study. I, I think about in, in the Jewish tradition, it was, the Word was read publicly. The people would gather together and the word would be read from a scroll out loud and people would be there together. And they were there together for the purpose of listening, but then discussing, even arguing over the text. And all of this, God was using this, this practice of the reading of the scripture and learning together, the discussing, discussing it and even disagreeing. God was using all of that so that his people could better understand one another and better understand God. And so God was, and this is the tradition that Jesus was steeped in. This is the tradition that Jesus was steeped in, this public reading of the scriptures and this discourse that would take place. This is the tradition of, obviously, that the disciples were steeped in they, from childhood. This is what they would have experienced. This is the way they would have learned God's word communally together. This is the way that Paul himself would have been raised and experienced. They would have experienced hearing God's word read out loud and then having an opportunity to discuss, debate. I mean, what would it be like one Sunday if I just read the scripture and said, so what you got for me? What questions you got? Now, I, I, I know not to do that because some of you got some wild questions that I would not want to have to answer in this moment. But it, sometimes it feels like we fear disagreement. Sometimes we don't want to argue about an understanding of Scripture. And it's just easier to just walk away. But I don't think that's the way that we grow. I don't think that's the way that we become who God has intended us to be. I know myself. I am not the same person that I used to be. I continue to study God's Word. And it's through the study with one another that I hear somebody else's understanding. That I hear somebody else's interpretation. And I might have never even thought about it that way before. But because of somebody else's life experiences, they're able to approach it in a different way. They're able to hear it in a different way. And because they share and we discuss, I may not agree, and that's okay. We don't have to all agree on everything. But I think it's in this process that we're able to begin to see how all of this scripture, every bit of it, points us to something. Every bit of it points us to Jesus. All scripture points us to Jesus Christ, the word of God, the logos. I love John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word became flesh. And that's where we find our reliability. We find our reliability in the Bible through the ways that it continues to point us to the need of a savior. I mean, all you got to do is read through, as I've mentioned before, the accounts in the book of Judges. And you see how they are constantly falling into sin and crying out to God for a Savior, a deliverer, a judge. God raises one up and they're obedient and faithful once they have been delivered. But then once again they fall into sin. That's a pattern we ourselves live into. That's why I think every year in January, people have New Year's resolutions because we say this year is going to be different. This year I'm going to stick to it. But we continue in a cycle. We continue to fall away. But God's word points us to this way that we need a savior. We can't 
do this on our own. And so the reliability of Scripture is found in the person of Jesus Christ, the Word that became flesh. The writer of Hebrews illuminates, they point out how, what God is doing during the writer's time. How they're undergoing a time of strife. They're going through a time of testing themselves. And he's hearkening back to the time of the Old Testament. Their forefathers. How they themselves had experienced times of persecution. And trying to point back to that. To be able to point towards where they are now. And to see that commonality. But it's all possible. Because they have one that has passed through the heavens. They have a high priest. And Jesus Christ that has been tested much just like they are. But has been proven. Has been proven as one without sin. Not love. The way that he continues to go back. He uses that Old Testament. In Hebrews chapter 3 we go back and we see the ways that he's hearkening back to telling about Moses. I love in Hebrews chapter 11. That chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. The heroes of the faith as he goes and tells about their forefathers. All those that had come before them. Pointing to their faith and the way that their faith was truly made known to others. And how others came to see how to experience faith because of them and through them. I love these words. These words that we continue to find so much that meets us right where we are in our everyday life. In our book of discipline, in the United Methodist Church, we have a book that has uh, all kinds of uh, laws, things that guide us. Uh, if you ever need help falling asleep, I can let you use my book of discipline. But there is some beautiful stuff in the very beginning as it talks about the, our or, origins as a movement, as a people of God, a people called Methodist. And as you read through that, you can read through and understand how we became who we are today as Methodist. As Methodist, remember the name Methodist, and some of you probably know this, and I'm sorry if I'm being repetitive, but the name Methodist was a name that was given to John Wesley and his group of friends that would gather together. They had a way of practicing their faith together. Through They would hold one another accountable to reading the scriptures, praying, doing works of mercy, acts of mercy. And as they had all of these practices that they made sure that they lived into, they were these methods of living out their faith. And so some people made fun of them. And so some, one of the names that did not stick, and I'm glad for that, is Bible Moths. Because they spent so much time reading the Bible. I'm really glad I'm not the pastor of Orange United Bible Moth Church. But that would be an identity, right? <laughs> but the name that stuck was those Methodists. Those Methodists. Because they have this way of living their life. Those methods, the practices of living their faith. And all, they found that the scripture, and it's found in our book of discipline, it reads that the scriptures contain all things necessary to salvation. All things necessary to salvation. And Albert Outler was this great Methodist scholar who studied so much of Wesley's life. Albert Outler discerned that John Wesley liked to apply four different practices in coming to understand who we are as a people of God and the way that we interact with the world around us. He called it the Wesley quadrilateral. Some of you probably have heard of that before. Did I hear a woo for the quadrilateral? What an awkward... No, I'm kidding. I love it. Scripture is primary. 
He said that John Wesley, when he's studying God's word and trying to discern what it is he's supposed to do, he would turn, first of all, Scripture. But sometimes Scripture might leave a little more, uh, it doesn't speak exactly to the circumstance or the situation that he's trying to reconcile. And so maybe he would then consider tradition. And in addition to what the church has said over the years and the tradition, he would then consider, what does his mind tell him? What does reasoning say? If the scripture doesn't really address it, if it doesn't say anything, if the church hasn't really had to deal with it, what what does his mind say about it? And then experience and his heart. What does his heart, his life experience, what does that tell him about it? And so through those four things, we try to discern about where to stand and what to do with situations in the world. And so Albert Outler called it, the Wesleyan quadrilateral. I understand that in seminary now they're using a different term, the Wesleyan stool. I'm glad we don't call it that often. Um, Yeah, I'm not saying any more about that. Uh, But the Wesleyan stool, and here's why. It's a three-legged stool. The top, the base, is Scripture. And the three legs are tradition, reason, and experience. I love that understanding because all things, it's all held together because of the Scriptures. And the thing is, if we go through life and we're not reading God's word, if we're not studying, if we're not trying to discern, if we're just relying upon tradition, what the church has always said throughout the years, and not finding out about it on our own, if we're only listening to our mind and what our mind is saying about certain circumstances and ignoring what the scripture might say, or even just depending on our life experience without considering all that, we're just going to fall apart. I believe That if we believe that the word of God is truly pointing all to Jesus Christ. Pointing to our need of a savior. We can consider God's word and let that be truly the lens for all things that we do in life. Because every single one of us, there's not a one of us that is without sin. Every single one of us falls short and misses the mark. There's not a single one of us. That is ever going to be perfect. But I think through reading God's word. Sharing it with one another. Learning together. Wrestling. Arguing. Disagreeing. Not walking away from the table. But staying at the table together. That is through that. That we can consider what tradition has said over the years. We can consider what our mind is saying in this moment. We can consider what our lives experience tells us about that scripture. I believe it's through those ways we can see the reliability of God's word. Is the Bible reliable? It's reliable for pointing us to Jesus. And I think if we use it for any other reason, then we're using it as a weapon. I don't believe the Bible's ever been intended to be used as a weapon. The Bible points us to Jesus. That's what it's reliable for. I want to invite you. Find your Bible. If you need a Bible, let me know. I'll help you get one. I'm good at that. I'll even give you a list of my favorite stories with one correction. Find yourself in God's story. We believe as a church that we exist for the purpose of helping people find themselves in God's story. And this is where we find God's story. So I want to invite you. Fall in love once again. God's word. See how reliable that is for you. Let us pray.
Lord, your word is your revelation of yourself to us. When we encounter your word, we are challenged. We're shocked. Sometimes we're confused. Because your word can be a hard word. But I believe your word is there for us. To help us see how it is that we're to love one another. To be in community with one another. To see that apart from your word, everything else just falls away. So today, God, may you help us draw close once again to those wonderful words of life. Those words that reveal that you love us so much. And there is absolutely nothing that could separate us from your love. We only know that because of your word. We only know that you love us so much that you are willing to offer your son as a sacrifice. Your word that's been handed down from generation to generation that tells us of your love. That calls us to live in that love and to love one another as you have loved us. God, may we cling to that word today. So that it may continue to be reliable, to be real, to be trustworthy. That when people see us, they will say, those are the people that follow that book. Those are the people that know that book, that consume it as a Bible moth. May we live a life that points to your word. God, we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.